Okay, that was awesome. So this is gonna be a feat. This is gonna be a miracle, you guys. Okay, it's a lot easier for me to stand up here and talk for an hour, which I can easily do. And if you don't believe that, sign up for some other classes. You can watch videos of me talking for hours. Maybe talk closer to that mic. Okay, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. And uh, that's my husband over there. Isn't he cute? Yeah. Hey, this will be 30 years you've been married. If you want to know all the things not to do in marriage, come and ask us if you follow one of those. Okay. And uh, so we're going to talk, which is a little bit more challenging, but more effective. Okay. And one of the things you want to do is we want to model for you that if you're going to like step into the cross-cultural space, you're going to have to talk to each other. And yes, you want to learn stuff from like reading books, watching videos. That's all awesome. But you also need to talk to each other. Okay, so I want to encourage you to be in groups of like four. If you're in a group more than four, you may want to peel out and start a new group, like all the fives. You can say, I'm a five. And so you can be in a group of three, that's cool too, because it'll just take less time to talk. And so we don't, we're doing this superficially, but you can practice these same conversations in like your group, and that would be awesome. One of the things that we're doing as a national staff right now, as a national team, is we are practicing something called restorative listening circles. We're not gonna be doing that practice here today, but you can look it up and it's really powerful. And uh, and then it's something that you might wanna do even in your high alpha group, okay? So, Let's go ahead and get started. Father, we need your help because without you, we can do nothing. And so we are all, everybody, just everybody say, Holy Spirit, help me today. Speak to me. Amen. He always wants to speak to us, doesn't he? And you know what? Sometimes he speaks to us through each other. Isn't that cool? So my name is Falcus Lehman. I'm the National Diversity Director for Chi Alpha. And uh, I'm, I'm going to talk at the beginning and at the end because part of my ethic is to raise other people up in ministry. And somebody said to me, oh, is Radon gonna be working with you on this thing? And I said, no, he's not. And then they said, what about Mary Lyons? I said, no, she's not here either. Because we wanna continually be raising up people, yes? So I hope you all are practicing that as well. So we're gonna get started here. Let's see, my job is to welcome you, which I did. So excited you're here. We gave you a sticker. If you haven't gotten a sticker, raise your hand. If you're just coming in, find a group to talk to. Hey, Ray, you get a sticker? Yeah, everybody who's you, you need a sticker. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, somebody take care of the people because hospitality is taking care of people, meeting their needs, and making them feel like family. So here, here, right here, I have a whole bunch. Of her. Here they go. So we're gonna give you a sticker. That's one of. We're, we're gonna come out with some T-shirts with this theme out soon. So keep an eye out. If you're not following us on social media, let me tell you two things. One, you can follow us on social media. You're gonna learn a lot of stuff. It's XA Diversity. We're on Instagram and Facebook. And if you follow us, like in this, the month of January, we will give you a free class, our free student class, Kingdom Diversity. So uh, Bree, that's a lot of work for her, but you know, she doesn't mind doing it, or she's willing to anyway. And uh, so if you follow us in the next, in the month of January, all our new followers will get a free code to our class, Kingdom Diversity, uh, which is all about being an ambassador of Christ on your campus, okay? So I'm uh, the goal of this session is we're going to talk about cross-cultural cross -cultural relationships, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's basically it. And I'm going to stop talking now and introduce the same. Thank you guys for coming to the session. I know you're going to have a good time. All right, so my name is Basam. I'm from Virginia Tech. I work at Virginia Tech Calva. Beautiful Calva. They're all wonderful, but that one's good. Um, we're going to have a little story, but this first topic we're talking about is just that uh, feeling that you get when you're trying to reach out to other people that look different than you. It's kind of nerve-wracking, kind of intimidating. That feeling? I know that feeling. We're going to have some stories. First, we're going to have our girl, Jenny, come share a story. Come on, Jenny. Yeah. Let us know, Jenny. Yeah. 
my name is Jennifer Benavides. I'm of Mexican roots. Jenny, I'm up. Hello. Okay. My name is Jenny Jennifer Benavides. I'm from Mexican roots, back in the DMV of Columbia, Maryland. Um, from where I'm from, is pretty diverse. So I have a lot of African American friends. And when I went back for Christmas this past few weeks, um, I don't know if other Hispanics does this, but I know Mexicans. We celebrate on the 24th, not the 25th, because we have both. <laughs> we do it the right now for the thought. Which is like the like reenactment of like when Jesus and Mary were like knocking on people's doors for like refuge from Egypt. So we like stand outside and we like sing like antes um, like pelagrinos. And then we have like a lot of bomb food. So we make tamales. We have posadas. No, we have tamales. We have ponche. We have um, pozole. And we just have a lot of like good food. And so I invited my friends, my two African American friends, if they wanted to come and like be a part of it and so none of them know how to make the malas but my friend Kendall she was like Jenny I'll come and like I'll be willing to help make the malas but like mm -hmm. I just don't want nobody making fun of my like the malas making skills it's just like a joke yeah. and it's just like I just shared this story to say like when you're building cultures or like when you're building friends with people of different cultures like you don't have to be an expert in like where they're from or whatever it's just like a simple task like my friend she was willing to come to like my family's posadas and just help make tamales. It was yeah. just like genuinely like she probably wasn't thinking about it like this, but like now like talking about it right now in front of you, like she was just coming to help serve like make tamales, like flip some tortillas. Like she it's like very basic, but it really meant a lot to me because it's just like that's my friend and she came to like be a part of something that means a lot to me and my culture. And I was just like, I think it's a simple task everybody else can do in like whatever capacity. So. Amen. Yeah, man. Good job, good job. So I'm Derek. I serve with Memphis Chi Alpha, and so if you look at me, you would think this guy's a black guy. Well, I'm half black, half white. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. My mom's white, dad's black. Good Bengals, Ohio. Ohio, yeah. And so <laughs> most of my life, I was in mostly white spaces, which was a bad thing, just how I was raised. And so my dad died when I was 11 years old. Fast forward. You know, into elementary school, I was in private schools. I was two, two of two of five minorities in my, in my graduating class. Again, was a big deal. It was, just, it was how I was raised. Go to private, go to public school in college. You know, a little more diversity, but I was still gravitated towards white spaces. And I was just like, this it was weird, but it was just like, you know, these are my friends, so it's not that big of a deal. We all love Jesus, so I didn't think much past that. I finally get a big boy job. As a social worker, I finished college, it is possible. After seven years, I got a degree in social work, working for a nonprofit in Cincinnati, working with homelessness and mental health in inner city Cincinnati. So my teammates, my partner agencies, and my caseworker, case, my case, people on my caseload, my clients, thank you, were 98% minority, so it was kind of a flip. And I was really confused how to like, navigate through this situation because I don't know how to like work with people that were minorities. It was a really weird situation. At that point in time, there was a officer-involved shooting, and I, I began to understand a little bit about what was going on in the world, but I was still confused. So I leave social work, get to college full-time, but in rural Ohio and northwest Arkansas, pretty, pretty non-diverse parts of the country. And so I was on the other side of the pendulum, that's a good case, back and forth, back and forth. I can't find any consistency. I move out of Arkansas to finish my CMIT, to Memphis. Memphis is a pretty unique part of the country. Um, very diverse, there's still like cultural and like racial lines, 
but my campus, which I love Memphis, anyone from Memphis in here today? Hey. Hey, let's go, all right. So, um, but the campus is pretty diverse, but they're still like, you know, like the cultural lines, but you know, my students, I love them to death. You know, I'll do anything for these guys. I would die for my students, I love them so much. When I got to Memphis, I finally understood like a little bit more, more about black culture. After like Ahmaud Arbery and all those shoots that took place over the summer, I began to like be in a place of learning. I feel like that's so essential because in the past I could talk about Jesus all I want to all these students, but they're teaching me. I feel like that was my, my like takeaway over the summer is like be a place where I can be a learner. You know, I, I don't want to like claim like I know everything because I don't. And these students got to share about like what it means to be, you know, a, a black person in America today. I got to learn for the first time. And it's still a struggle, but I'm always learning, and I love I love learning about other cultures and taking that step is hard, but it's so rewarding to be a place of learning from our students. Yes, I hope you just hear these stories, like, take a risk. You know, it sounds hard, it sounds difficult, but it communicates so much when you just know nothing. You just claim your own ignorance, like, I, I really don't know, but I want to learn. And so I hope you guys take that away. But we're about to talk about how these stories made you feel. Um, there's two questions that are already on the board behind me. The first one is, how do you relate to the stories that are shared? And then we want you guys in your group also to share in what ways have you been hesitant to reach out to those who don't look like you? We're gonna take about eight minutes. I'll give you a one minute warning. I know if I was answering that second one, I'd talk about how you know, we're doing move-in events, we're doing welcome events, and you like finally step out to invite maybe an international student who looks different than you, and they come to the party, and they're like the one kid in the corner, because no one wants to talk to them, that kind of like hesitancy. And, you, and, and I think part of it is we think, they're like, oh, we have nothing in common, we can never talk. But I learned in my experience, talking to international students, they're the most fun people to talk to. Because you guys have nothing in common, you get to learn back and forth, back and forth. It's always the best conversation, but maybe that's you'll share a simple story. Maybe you'll share something different. I'm gonna release you guys for eight minutes. Answer these two questions. Be real, okay? All right, you one more word. Go.
sharing something good, we're gonna have people share out just for a few minutes. So if you think of someone in your group who says something good, you want them to say it out loud, there'll be a chance for that. One minute, one minute. Thanks for sharing. That's real. It's hard to put yourself out there so many times, for sure. 
feel? Uh, just quite honestly, uh, just being selfish um, because you're you start feeling the the inconvenience of like you know going to them. So just I've experienced that, and it's like daily having like having to like like that down. So just selfishness and feeling the pressure of inconvenience sometimes. Mm. Good yeah. work, man. Thanks. One more, last one. We'll go right here. Um, for me, it's like being able to relate to their culture mm. is sometimes difficult. Yeah. Um, especially like, uh, like with my other friends, like who are like black or Hispanic. Um, I want to relate to them, but I just you know can't because I'm white. So yeah. And it gets difficult. Yeah, yeah. That's real. That's real. Thanks for sharing, guys. Yes. We just want to, you know, push here again. Like, it's okay not to know. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be interested. It's okay to be curious. Like, these things help. People are usually going to share about themselves more than we give them credit for. But thank you guys for sharing. I'm going to pass it on to our girl, Shala. She's going to take you to uh, topic number two. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. is fear of rejection and fearing of not being wanted. And so like we have similar perspectives and we all have them. There's one form of it and we just handle things differently. Um, But our second topic that we're gonna speak on is what is God's perspective in all of this? Um, In your groups, we're gonna take five minutes to answer this question. What what do you think is God's perspective? Um, Again, after we're done, pick one person that you want to share your answers or um, just talk a little bit about what you guys um, feel or that is God's perspective and I'll give you a one minute warning and we'll chat after that. Ready, set, go. We don't understand the question. Yes. So through what the first question, what do you think is God's perspective in cross-cultural relationships? Does he care if we have them or not? And if so, why? Like if somebody said to you, yeah, I, I, we just have to make disciples. It doesn't matter if, you know, if we make disciples of other countries or other ethnic groups, as long as we're making disciples. What would you say to that person? Obviously, probably all the people who are in here actually probably think it's like God cares. So what would you say to those people who would say the opposite? Let's make a list so we can have something to share. You got it.
to tie in with that also, we were saying like we we feel like he does care because we even see that reflected in the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like even talking to the Samaritans or whatever. Yeah, that's good. The mission where he's like going to the nations. Right. Uh, Judea, Samaria, wherever. Right. Um, and even like with that, Jesus is saying that if you love me, you'll follow my commands. So if mm-hmm. you're not following this command, can you really say that you love him? Mm-hmm. Oh. That's good. That's good. Oh. Whoa.
talking about that God is one who loves all people, like even Hadith said, all people, all nations, all tongues, and the idea, even we were just talking a while ago about theology. And this idea, like sometimes we think that, okay, theology from one culture <laughs> might be, oh, this is theology, but there's so many different cultures, right, that we have so many different people groups. And to see that our theology is informed by our culture, it's informed by how we live. So there isn't one standard of theology. You know, different people groups have different theology. Different cultures have that, and how they see God, and they bring that to the table. And we see life differences, and it changes. And so, again, looking at God's perspective and how He sees it is always the standard, and always should understand that, again, our culture, who we are, helps inform how we see the Lord. And the idea of kind of going into next is like seeing how does, how do we go through the what is God's perspective and God's heart when we go through the tough times, we go through the tough things? And so, um, kind of to share a little bit about that, I want to share a little bit of my story. Um, for me, um, this, isn't, this is something actually where I wasn't saved when I was in high school. And I went to a boarding school in Portland, Oregon, okay? And I had a, we had a lot of international students, we had a lot of, you know, uh, Caucasian students who were there. And I remember a lot of my friends at the time were and I remember they would go up to me sometimes and just say, oh, you're an Oreo, you're an Oreo, you're an Oreo, you know? And I was sitting there and I was like, oh, your friend. <laughs> I thought y'all loved me, you know? And to hear them call me, that I was hurt. I remember going to my English uh, teacher, who was a black lady, and she was like, Kumbo, the thing you have to understand is when they called you an Oreo, they were basically saying to you that you could not excel for you to excel academically or for you to act in a way that was not, you know, African-American, that was not black, that, you know, you were excelling to a place where this is an otherness, an idea of maybe you were looking white, maybe about how you were speaking, but you were trying to get good grades. And so I had to learn, even as I think one guy showing me at this time, but I had to learn how to love my friends, even though they hurt me. So really, I was learning God because, <laughs> but I didn't think that at the time. I had to love and forgive them, even though the words were harsh, even though the words were cold. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the only one who has a story. Shyla also has a story that she wants to share as well. Thank you. Um, so during my internship with Chi Alpha, I was at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. And during that time, we met this girl who was a Muslim from Saudi Arabia. And so we just shared Jesus with her, Christ with her, we shared our lives with her. And so one of the things, we were praying for her, like daily, for her to come to know Christ. And she was asking us good questions about who Jesus was and who God was, and she herself was seeking. She's like, God, I don't know who you are, but please show me. And so one day she sat us down, and she was like, you guys don't understand how hard it is for me to say yes to Jesus. And we were like, okay, please explain to us, because obviously something's not clicking right in our mind of how you're thinking. And so she said, I have to, it costs something for me to say yes to Jesus, unlike an American. It's much more easier, not saying we don't have hardships ourselves, but it's much more easier for y'all to say yes to Jesus and live that life. Mm -hmm. She says, if my brother from Australia, who I'm not living with, tells me I need to go back to Saudi Arabia, like I have to go. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, he was her parental guide, right? 
cost. And she's like, I don't know if I want to take that cost just yet. And so to me, I was like, that opened my eyes and opened up the students' eyes a lot more to be like, wow, like people face different things and from different cultures. So how do I walk with this student? Because I'm not only ministering to her, I'm also ministering to her family. I'm also ministering to her mother who was there and saying hi and cooking them food, right? And so like, you, we have to lay down our lives, um, even though it feels weird and it feels like we don't know what we're doing, just so that they can feel the love of Christ. And so I just wanted to share that story of like how we can cross cultures and um, just build friendships, even though there's tough seasons in that. Shared, Shiloh shared, and you guys might have your own stories and things. Um, but like, as we go into our groups, you know, the, the questions, a couple questions again, we want you guys to answer. Okay, um, the two questions are: What challenges have you faced in your cross-cultural or racial relationships, and how do you overcome them? Okay, we want you guys to again circle up in your groups and discuss one or two. <laughs> the one, my bad. One more here. I want to make sure to look, take time to uh, take about five minutes, circle up, and go through that question. Um, and then, you know, when we come back together, one person could share, you know, from that group. And so, again, hear what you guys have to say. So, circle up, and then we'll come back.
Yeah, no, I think we just need to transition because oh, okay. we're, we're going to okay. run out of time. Oh, you're just about to say, I know some of you guys maybe have some other uh, questions you want to say, some other things. Um, but we're going to be around, so if you do have other questions, other things you want to share with us, you're more than welcome to. Okay, I'm going to knock this mic. All righty. Hey, that's good. Thank you so much. Let me say one of the things that you have to learn as Say that even in our own movement, Kai Alpha, I feel like that sometimes can be a, a, 
a weakness that we have. And we need to trust other voices. Yeah. And number two, we also made the choice to trust you guys. Yeah. We could have like sat, stood here and talked the whole time, but we made the choice to trust you that God can speak through you as well. And I want to say, like, we didn't even share stories on that what's God's perspective thing because we just really trusted that God could speak through you. And everything y'all shared was amazing. Yeah. So really, give yourselves a hand. more things to say on these topics and other topics we didn't cover, feel free to keep talking at lunch. Maybe with some new people you met or just people you happen to sit with. Say, I went to this cross-cultural conversations you know, uh, breakout and we were talking about this. What do you think about that? And talking your group, you gotta have conversations if we're gonna make changes. Yeah. We have a lot of preconceived notions, mm -hmm. okay? Everybody, when they read the Bible, put on, you put on your glasses and you see and miss stuff depending on your experiences, your family culture, your culture of origin, et cetera. And that's one of the great things about a multi-ethnic community. So I just wanna share really quickly the last few things, these are my little things, uh, that are stacked on the PowerPoint. <coughs> uh, one is I do wanna promote that Kingdom Diversity class, we're gonna show you some stuff by. <coughs> but I wanna talk about what Eli said yesterday. Because while he was sharing, I was like, that's 100% what we say in that same university. Maybe like one step further, so here's like one of these things he said, God is a father and he wants to have a family. I would say he wants to have a family of every nation, tribe, people, and language. That was probably understood in what he said. I hope that we all understood that, but I just wanted to explicitly say it. Yeah. God wants to have a family of every nation, tribe, people, and language. And not just in heaven, we think of like heaven as like some faraway thing, that's not a biblical view of heaven, by the way. Uh, if you read like Jacob, remember Jacob had that vision of like the ladder, right? And what did he say? Whoa, I was like in the house of God and I didn't even know it. So like heaven is like right there. It's not some faraway place. It's like right there on the other side of the curtain. And sometimes it like crosses, it's like, you know, the curtain gets pulled back and we're like, oh wow, this is, that's what the word apocalyptic means. Anyway, you can ask about that if you want to. <laughs> but we have this, we have to have this reality that that's not some future reality. That's not like, I'm gonna go on a mission trip to fulfill that reality. That is a now reality for our Kai Alpha group. Every nation tried people in language. We have the privilege on campus of seeing that be a reality in our Kai Alpha group. Why would we not have that? That would be just crazy on our part to do that. Yeah. Number two, he said, we need each other. I'm gonna say we need each cultural perspective to fully know God. If we think my cultural perspective is all there is to know about God, that is both arrogant and deceived. I say that again. If I think I'm a Cuban gal from Miami, born in Colombia, because we were refugees, went there as refugees, came to the US when I was seven years old, and if I think that everything there needs to be known about God, I know from my own cultural experience, my own family experience, then that is arrogant and deceived. And you know, I, got, I married that gringo over there, and uh, he taught me a lot about Jesus that I didn't have from my cultural perspective, okay? Because we have blinders when we read the Bible. We miss stuff. And, you know, anyway, so that, you know, I'm just kind of expanding on these points yesterday because I thought they were excellent points, and we just need to kind of like think about them a little bit more. Number three, he said, community is magnetic. And I would say multi-ethnic community is magnetic. If we want to show the world what God's kingdom is really all about. 
when we are successful in building cross-cultural friendships, which are hard work and will require you to die yourself, if we're successful in doing that, the world takes notice. Because you know what? The world can't figure out how to do that. They cannot figure out how to do it. They have like, you know, pretend to do it. Uh, but they can't figure out how to actually do it, how to actually love and forgive each other. Yeah. And that is, man, when we do that, when you see that happening, then the, the world's like, whoa, that's amazing. And it's beyond magnetic. It's like supercharged magnetism, okay? And then the last thing I want to share is this. We need to expand your definition of loving your brothers and sisters to include whole communities. So what I mean by that is this. You know, he shared the scripture out of John, if you see your brother in need but you don't do anything about it, then you don't really love your brother. Well, if I see a whole community of my brothers and sisters in need, and I don't do anything about it, am I really loving those people? So, uh, one of our, you know, there's a book that uh, somebody, one of our staff in Washington shared, his like top 10 books he read in like 2021. And uh, one of them was called uh, Misreading the Bible Through Individualistic Eyes. Anybody read that here? It sounds like a great book. And I'll tell you, one of the major problems with the English language is you don't have a second person plural. You know what a second person plural means? It's like y'all instead of you. So much of the Bible and the New Testament is it as a y'all, but we think it means you. We think it means me. When it says go make disciples of all nations, we think it means me individually to do that. But it actually means you all together as a community. When it says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, it says it actually both individually and plural. So there's all of these things. The book of Ephesians, we read it and it says you are this, you are this, you are that. And we think it means me individually, but it's actually almost all of those things are plural. Yeah. It means all of us together are these things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we have to kind of get that into there's a power in the gospel that I get Jesus as individually does the work in me. But we have to look at the other side too, and that is he also does the work in us. And that when I look at the world and I see my brothers and sisters in need, I need to not just notice individual needs, but I can also be aware of communal needs. And if I'm not caring about communal needs, I don't know if I'm really being loving. Now, when I care about those communal needs, my response is probably going to be on the micro level. Does that make sense? Like, can I really transform the world? No, I can't. But I can do something. I can do something to transform a group of people's lives. And when I do that, when I when I insert myself into a space where people have need, and and I say, okay, I'm going to do something here, then. That's going to change the world. So what does that mean? Like practically, it means that when you're looking at how you're going to use your degree after your, you know, what you're going to do with your life, where you're going to live, all that kind of stuff, you need to ask yourself, Father, where's a place that I can meet needs? Where's a place that I can live, that I can, like, leverage my life to, to be a witness of the kingdom of God? Does that make sense? Because we can kind of just say, I'm just going to live the American dream. Especially if you're born, how many of you are born outside the U.S.? If you're born outside the U.S. or your parents are born outside the U.S., raise your hand. So what do your parents tell you? We came here for a better life. Live the American dream, right? But that's not the kingdom of God, boys and girls. Right? We need to leverage our lives for kingdom work. How did the early church do this? Did they, did they have a board meeting and say, hey, let's start an orphanage? No, they saw children who were tossed out and left out to die 
and they were compelled by the transformation that happened in their lives to say, I'm gonna take that child and I'm gonna raise it as my own. So I know a ton of believers who foster. Because they, you can say, wow, it's so sad that we have this foster care crisis, or you can say, I'm gonna start fostering. Uh, you know, they saw people at plague come to town. What, what did the early church do when a plague came to town? What do you think everybody else did? Let's get the heck out of Dodge, right? They're like, we're out of here. What did the Christians do? They said, people deserve to die with dignity, so I'm going to take care of these people even though they're dying. And it meant that they may die too because they contracted that disease. You know, I was in church with this COVID thing. I was at church one Sunday, and we're all like not touching each other because we don't want to get sick. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Jesus touched the leper. And, and in a bigger concept, not just about the whole like, you know, pandemic, I think you should wash your hands and be cautious. Right? Let's not spread disease. But in this realm, which was the Holy Spirit spoke to me, with like some segment of our society, we're scared to like interact with those people because they're going to contaminate us. Mm. Right? You don't hang out with prostitutes and publicans and sinners because they're going to contaminate us. But Jesus wasn't scared of that. He went into those spaces and he contaminated them with the kingdom of God. Now, if you're not strong enough to contaminate others, I guess you should avoid those spaces and strengthen yourself and, and let go together, don't go by yourself. But we should not be afraid of the world and the wickedness of the world. We should be going into places and like, contaminating people with like, the gospel. Does that make sense? Yeah. So just kind of like, we have to kind of like change our glasses or be like, how do I do that? How do I go on this journey of changing my glasses? There's a lot of good books to read out there. You know, I would recommend that, like, we, we misreading the Bible. There's one called Misreading the Bible Through Western yeah, Eyes. There's a Misreading the Bible Through Individualist Guys. I think it's probably the same authors. Uh, I read a book this year that I absolutely love called Reading While Black. Has anybody read that? No. Uh, man, y'all need to read that. It's in a, thank you. Uh, that book is phenomenal. And it's in a, it's, it has a lot of questions that black students are asking and it's gonna give you good answers, but it's also gonna teach you, this is why everybody needs to read it. It's going to teach you how to read the Bible well. Because the guy answers the questions from like excellent Bible reading. And so as you read it, you're gonna be like, oh, I should be reading the Bible like this, yeah. okay? And then uh, we're gonna you know, promote another thing. If you go to our, we have a, a research site called uh, drivingdiversity.org. It's pretty easy, drivingdiversity.org. And you can go there, we have lots of resources, some blogs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you know there's that, and then I mentioned the class that Kristen is going to put up here, and this is our class. It's called Kingdom Diversity: Ten Qualities and Ambassador of the Upside Down Kingdom. You can take this for free if you follow us this month on social media at Kingdom Diversity. And uh, you know these are the top topics we go through: finances, like foundations, building cross-cultural relations, going deeper, and what about justice. But each of those things has like little things. And, and they're very simple, it's five, minute, five minutes or less. It's myself, Radon, and a guy from Colorado named Dan Gibson. Dan Gibson, his dad's in this session. It's the three of us, we, we take turns doing some of the videos, some of the teachings. And then there is uh, scripture to read and an activity to do. So it's very practical, you can go through it in your small group, in your leadership group, by yourself. And it's not a ton of time. Now you do it at your own pace, you can do it all in a week, or take all semester to go through it. But we want to make an investment in you today by giving that course for free as you follow us on Exiting Person. So I'm sure you have questions or more things you want to share, share those things at lunch.
you know, we're, we're, you were like a little, we're four minutes over, but all you're doing is avoiding a very long 